1: with history,
2: the voice of choice, and killer Ken resonate Ken?
3: When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets.
2: Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on, Chris? Jesus, how did I get roped into this?
3: Almost as famous for, for his Facebook trolling as he is from his wrestling years.
2: General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and... Who could have Adnan
3: lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves granny.
2: Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, you guys are busting me up. <laughs> and I don't think Hollywood's ready for Malcomania, but you we'll wait
3: The bigger you are, the harder you fall. This is Larry Zabisco, wrestling's living legend. VOC Nation Radio, Worldwide.
0: VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Wrestling With History, the voice of choice, Bruce Word, Killer Ken Resnick. And this is the final show before we launch our reformatting. So we're going to a brand new format beginning next week where we're not going to take calls anymore. And we are going to do one year at a time, starting in 1983, looking back at the best of each year in professional wrestling. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Killer Ken and I, uh, but I do want to remind you that this week, this show is brought to you by MyBookie. Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means survivor, super contests, and squares. At MyBookie, winning season means hitting all of your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your favorite team trounce their rivals. Rejoice! It's time to celebrate the NFL season. And the NFL season starts this Thursday. So invest in your intuition. Use promo code VOCNATION and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. That's right, $1,000 designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Again, use the promo code VOCNATION, all one word, and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. So today, I want to look back at an interview we did with Malia Hosaka, so Malia Hosaka is one of the pioneers of modern women's wrestling. She uh, was on the forefront of the current style, which is more matches than uh, just looks. And she broke into the business during that Attitude Era, right before the Attitude Era time when wrestling was more just TNA. And I loved her stories about working through some of those challenges and you'll hear a very interesting uh, snippet about a conversation with a WWE road agent where the road agent just couldn't believe why she wanted to wrestle. They had men for that. They didn't think fans wanted to see women actually wrestle. So this is a great interview with Malia. I think it's very timely considering some of the challenges that we're facing in society today that have risen to the top of all of our minds and i invite you to sit back and enjoy this interview ken resnick and i did with the very talented malia hosaka
2: she's actually appeared in every major american wrestling organization known to uh, mankind i was gonna say man but it's not appropriate yeah. in this case uh we have the wwf the wcw lpwa ecw tna and it's the lovely and talented the 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 lady that seems to have found the fountain of youth, Malia Osaka. Welcome. Thanks for having me.
4: But you know, you also left out that I am the shortest reigning NWA Women's Champion. Yes, I did. Well, see now that. Malia, when,
3: when you say that, you know, I, I'll be in trouble if I don't say. And you are currently the longest running Steel Domain Women's Champion.
4: That's right.
3: Yeah, we if if we didn't get that in, we'd have some friends that would be really <laughs> really uh, hot at us. Uh, and It's well, yes, true, it, Bruce. You you referenced it. Uh, I first met Malia in 1990 with the LPWA, and I, I know people won't believe this compared to the Malia of, of today but back then trying to get her to say anything was kind of like <laughs> pulling
2: teeth and she
3: has definitely gone 180 degrees but the the you know every once in a while they we throw out the terms legendary but the fact Malia that 30 years you are as active today as you were in, in 1990, and for fans that aren't familiar, I can attest, you know, there are some people, you know, that will still wrestle and, and uh, independents that have been in the business, you know, 20, 25 years, and if they take a bump, it's breaking news, and Malia's taking the kind of bumps today that she took, 30 years ago, so I want to know, was it on one of your flights, where exactly did you find that fountain of youth, and do you have some that left that I could drink, yeah. because you are yeah. amazing.
4: I Like I said, I just found that if I stop, that's when the pain hits me. Like, this, this whole COVID mess has had me out of the ring for several months now, and my back is hurting, and my neck is hurting, and my knees are hurting, and I'm like, what the heck? So yeah, if you just don't stop, it can't catch you. So I just kind of keep going.
3: Well, in fact, Bruce, interesting, talking about this whole COVID, since it, it happened, I have gone out to eat in just one restaurant the entire time, and it was to have lunch with Malia. Right. But And, <laughs> and, and back then, we thought we were on the backward end of it, and who would have thought?
4: Yeah, right, exactly. You know, it, don't even get me started on this because I am so over this whole COVID mess and everybody's up in arms about it. Like, it's not a death sentence, so just stop it.
2: <laughs> yeah, you. So, yeah. I, listen, on on that point, uh, I, I agree. I mean, it's such a polarizing... The, the, the whole shame of it is, and, and I'll, I'll get off this soapbox in a second, but this disease has become a political tool and the the really sad thing is is that it seems like there are some treatments out there that mm-hmm. I think are being suppressed because uh, big pharma is very influential in our government, and you know, there's no money. Why waste something like this if you can't make some money on a vaccine? You know, right. well, I, I mean, I'm I not Alex say, Jones, actually, but this
4: morning on the news that they are that they actually do have a vaccine. They said that. It's not 100% um, guaranteed that you won't get it, but it's looking very promising, and it's in, going into phase two, which is great. But you know what? Just freaking start stabbing people because I'm sick of it. Just give it to them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anyway, yeah. Well, Leo,
3: yeah. We, we talked about before the break and, and, and you coming on <laughs> briefly how the, the – LPWA back in 1990 was really the first all-women's wrestling promotion that that treated it as wrestling versus Mm -hmm. more of the kind of entertainment we see today. But even back then, can you have ever imagined that it would be a women's match that would one day main event WrestleMania
4: no, I mean, I mean, I'd always hoped. But here's the thing: like, um, didn't Stephanie and Lita main event WrestleMania, or was that another big WWE thing?
2: I think. I don't um, think that was a I mean, WrestleMania.
4: It wasn't a WrestleMania. It was just a pay per view. It,
2: it wasn't. I, I don't think it was a, a main event match. I'll track that down while you guys are yeah. are yeah. Uh, are talking. But I I don't think it. It was a a main event.
3: I I think it was really the the first women's match that got a huge push, but I think there was, you know, it was almost more like the Uh, semi-wind-up. But it was a a big pay-per-view. But, Malia, talk about how, in your eyes, women's wrestling and the way it's viewed – has transformed over these decades.
4: Well, I mean, when I came in, I had my veterans like Leilani and Judy and and Debbie and Luna, and I mean, these weren't like, I mean, yes, in in their day, they were very glamorous girls. They were very, you know, um, they stood out for for who they were in their day, but. When I was coming in, we were transitioning to a smaller frame, more petite type thing, but we also were fighting glow because glow was out there making fun of women's wrestling, and then so like you got the stereotype going of if you were cute and petite, then you couldn't wrestle, you were just a joke, but if you were more of a, a larger girl, then yeah, you could be taken seriously as a wrestler, and I think that was a really hard hard thing to fight. And then after LPWA, you know, wrestling was kind of on, an, on a nosedive then going on a downhill slope, and it kind of went away and, and became that closet thing that everybody watched again, and nobody really talked about it. It didn't really gain momentum again until I think, what, in the mid-90s when um, Turner came out with WCW. Um, and... Then it transitioned from there on into, like, a, a TNA. Like, I, I got told, why do you want to wrestle? i one of the WWF, then WWF, road agents. Um, why do you want to wrestle? Nobody wants to watch the girls wrestle. They, we have men for that. And I was like, I can't even believe you're asking me that. I said, I didn't have a career on the independents because I'm tits and ass. I had a career because I could wrestle. People didn't fly me all over the world because – I could do a bra and panty match. They flew me because they knew they were going to get a quality women's wrestling match out of me as well as those that I was in the ring with. And um, he was just like confounded over the fact that, you know, anybody around that era would would want to watch women's wrestling because, but I mean, that's what the men were
0: for.
3: You know, Malia, and, we'll kind of get into, you know, what in a little bit, what's come out mm-hmm. in the last few yeah. months, but right. talk about, How hard was that for you and some of the other women wrestlers to to not only kind of, you know, go through that, I I guess, you know, almost being insulted, but also how difficult was it for you personally and, and those you knew to stick with it, when, as you said, after the LPWA, it it, it, it kind of went into the you know VHS apartment matches right. and things mm-hmm. like that.
4: Well, I mean, it was really hard, um, but as I said, the, the good girls out there. They stayed busy, and I was fortunate enough to be, you know, after LPWA, Debbie Combs took me under her wing, and I I traveled with her quite a bit, and she would get me bookings, and then, but the girls kind of went, we, even prior to LPWA and after the demise of it, the girls always kind of had their territories, like, even though the territories were gone, they weren't gone for the girls because your independent promoters weren't necessarily of a, of a station where they could fly in girls or they were going to fly in girls. They wanted the local talent. So like you had Peggy Lee leather and Bambi running the Georgia area. Then myself and Luna B. and Penelope paradise kind of had the Florida area. Um, The glamor girls had South Carolina, Debbie Combs and Kenny divine had the Tennessee area. So, you know, we all still had our own little territories and we didn't really cross over into each other's territory. Um, very often, and, unless we were invited in by one of them for the most part, because, you know, it, that's just the way – I don't. if it was respect or if it was just the fact that we couldn't go in and undercut each other. We just had that much – we wouldn't go in and undercut each other just to get the
2: work. And, I, Malia, just um, uh-huh. uh, on that note, where – so you mentioned those territories that existed and, and mm-hmm. the, I guess, few amount of women that, that were in mm-hmm. those territories – was was women's wrestling really just an attraction? Was it looked at as just an attraction back in the territory days? you know one match and you know the ladies would tour together and then you maybe you mix it up and and switch territories you
4: know in the true territory days i don't i think the women were advertised as a special attraction, but I believe that there were actual storylines and there were actual feuds. I know that when I got in. It was after, you know, watching Luna Vachon get her head shaved on NWA uh, Florida Championship Wrestling. And I remember Mad Maxine being there and stuff like that. Um, But I came in on the tail end of that where those territories were really falling apart and the cable was starting to emerge and the big two were starting to come out. So I was kind of in that transition period. So for that type of a territory then yes you know we definitely had like storylines and we were booked not necessarily as a it was a special attraction but at the same time we were a mess on the show like our our matches carried from show to show it they had a story that went with them from show to show so not necessarily promotion to promotion but definitely show to show like if i got booked down in south florida i didn't go down there and wrestle penelope and penelope win every week or i win every week because it just really didn't make sense. So we would switch it up and Luna would come in or uh, sometimes Luna managed Penelope. And then, you know, sometimes uh, back then Luna was also with the Black Hearts. I mean, there was, there was a huge transition of, of everything going on back then. And I think, you know, Peggy and Bambi pretty much beat the hell out of each other all over Georgia Sting book. But it was that, that realism of the fact that when you saw those two get in a ring and go at it, you got, entranced in what they were doing. And you weren't sitting there picking it apart. You were like, holy shit, she just knocked the hell out of her. Um, because they were good. They, they were amazing. And they went out there and they just gave the fans their all. So, you know, it, it just kind of depended. I don't know if I really answered that question because I ra- ramble a lot and I see a rabbit and I take a squirrel.
2: Malia, talk about... Yeah, go ahead, Ken. Oh, go ahead, Bruce, I, you hit go the ahead. Spirit. No, you hit the spirit of what I was asking. I I think yeah. uh, you, you're fine, no. you're fine, and I ramble yeah. too, so it makes fun. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Malia, ahead, a little Ken. insight. How it, is it easier when you're – no, you're not a one-off match when you're going to be developing a little storyline and, and, and maybe be back two or three times oh. – versus coming in somewhere, just getting booked as, as a one-off. How is that different for you psychologically?
4: Well, I mean, it, it, honestly, it depends on the company that I'm going in for and who I'm going in against. Like, going in against, back then, Debbie Combs and Leilani and all of them, even if I was just going in for a, a one-time shot type of a match and there was no guarantee of a future booking or a future show – I knew that I was going to win uh, when I was going to learn something from them every time I stepped into the ring because they were out there teaching me and they were showing me the craft and the art. Um, in today's generation, for me, it's harder to go in on a one-time shot if I'm working with a, a real green girl or a rookie, because I feel like I go in there and I only impart a little bit of what I know and, I think like a lot of them, a lot of the girls, they try to be really respectful, but at the same time, I'm sure that a lot of them also feel that I'm dated. Like, okay, well that, you know, they don't get out of the ring going, oh my God, that was amazing. So much as I didn't get to do all my, all my really cool stuff, but I don't, if I went back month after month with that girl and I ran a story that her really cool stuff would get done, but she would start to learn to do it in a way and in a manner that it made sense. And so that when she did do it, it meant something to the match and to the people watching it. So they wouldn't just go, ooh, ah, for the whole match. They'd be like, holy cow, she did this amazing thing. And they would remember it. Because I honestly think that if you ask the majority of your fans today, they're like, um, and I, I'm going to be honest, I don't watch wrestling um, because it's not entertainment to me. It's uh, it's so much choreograph out there anymore, I'm not sucked into it. Um, but I'm just going to throw two names, Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair out there. And I'm going to say if you watched a match between Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair and everybody's like, oh, my God, it was amazing, it was amazing, amazing, you go, okay, what was your favorite part? Well, all of it. No, what was your favorite? Like what what moment in that match did you really, like what moved you about it? And they can't pinpoint one specific point because so much stuff was done from the beginning to the end that they didn't really digest any of it. It, it's like, you know, watching the over-the-top explosives in the movies, it's like, you don't rem- by the end of it, you don't remember the first explosion because there were 75 of them, you know, and they just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But, you know, but it was really cool to watch. Well, what was the coolest one? I, I can't tell you. I didn't have time to really digest that.
3: I know, Malia, Bruce and I have talked a lot. <clears throat> to, to me, the biggest difference, and you, you were exactly right, in the old days, the the glory years, there was almost as much psychology of a match as there were high spots. And I right. say today, as you said, that it's just one move after another after another that they don't give the fans of today who – probably are not familiar with what wrestling was in the 80s and 90s, they don't even get a chance to really become invested in the match. Exactly.
4: There is, and there is no bad guy. There is no good guy. It's, everybody's doing really cool stuff back and forth, and it's, you know, it, it's amazing. And don't get me wrong, I think these, these kids today are tremendously talented because there's no way I'm jumping off the top rope four rows back doing a double moon salt in the air or whatever it is that they do. It's just not going to happen. I'm an antique and I break easy. So it's, you know, um, but <laughs> at the same time, when you do that, like seriously, what do you follow that up with? Okay. Like, yeah, that was, that was an amazing thing. You, you just jumped off a balcony onto the floor. The guy caught you. It was amazing, but that wasn't the finish.
2: What? Here, here's what and, and, and I love that you said that Malia and I, and I got to ask both of you this question and Ken and I actually talk about this week after week but that's my problem with it and, and Malia I think it's not just that those high spots happen more often than not but they happen on the undercard matches. So what do you do? You said, how do you top that? But right. when you're doing that in the second and the third match, how do you have a, a main event where people are still engaged and they still want right. to watch TV? That's, that's the problem. Exactly. That's why the product is suffering. Yeah.
4: Right. And, and so I call it the art. There is an art to wrestling. There is an art going out there and telling, just like actors have their art and stuntmen have their art and the BMX super, uh, crazy people that do all that crazy riding and flipping and flopping in the air on their motorcycles and bicycles, there is an art to what you do. And you can either choose to learn that art and and become the best with that art that you can, or you can say that art is dated and we don't want it. And this is what we're going to do because everybody wants instant gratification. Well, when you keep giving everybody instant gratification, eventually there's nothing left. Like when you're starved, that first bite of food that you take is going to be the best food that you have ever had because you're starving. The more of that you get, the less it means. So by the time that you're full, maybe you were eating some really crappy food and you realize it now because you were full. Well, that's it. Like I'm not saying the wrestling is crappy, but when you give everybody everything in every single match, they're full of it. It's like you said, how do you keep their attention? Like, Oh well, we saw that. Oh, we already saw that. Oh well, they did that better in the last match. You know, I mean, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't.
3: <laughs> and one of the things that that really bothers me, it, it's like suddenly outside interference. Back in the day, even in in the LPWA as we booked, the only time we wanted that is if it was about to to build a major angle or. To do a, a major turn from face to heel or, or vice versa, and now it's like it's the default position like well, if we don't beat anybody we 're not going to damage them, so we 'll just you know uh, some outside interference and we 'll throw it out
0: winning season returns at my bookie winning season means doubling your first deposit winning season means survivor, super contest and squares at my bookie. Winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice! It's time to celebrate the NFL season. Invest in your institution. Use promo code VOCNATION and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at my bookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code VOCNATION, spell it out, V O C NATION, all one word, and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at
2: MyBookie.
4: Well, not only that, okay, so this is my other thing because in working with a lot of it, I've started doing some tag matches again. And every time I sit down and, I, I, and we start putting a tag match together, the other team's like, well, I'm going to run in and take her out because you know, why would I stand there and let my partner get beat? Um, why? Because it only takes three seconds to lose a match. Like, well, I, don't, I don't get why at the pinfall of every single tag match the other two partners have to get into it. Like, why is somebody trying to run in and make a save, and why does the other person have to cut them off all the time? it it, it makes no sense to me because at some point you're making the referee look like a jackass because he doesn't actually disqualify anybody. So at some point he he should be going, that's it. You're all disqualified. You're done. Get out. I've told you. Because there's only so many times you can say, get out of the ring, get out of the ring, get out of the ring. And then, you know, it's like, you know, disappointing a child. There's only so many times you can say, I'm going to spank you before they realize, well, nothing's going to happen, so I'm just going to keep doing it. it, it
3: it's, it's almost like today, the, the you know, because the, the kayfabe era is over, common sense or believability is, is just out the window.
4: All right. All right. Well, that's my other, so yeah, believability is out the window because nobody wants well, first off, none of the bad guys want to be booed. So everybody's about you know, who will follow me and how many, how many followers I can get because I can get some free stuff if I get all this, these followers and I do this and I do that. Um, so nobody wants to be hated. Um, but beyond that, it's, I don't know how many times I've listened to people go, well, you don't do that because if it was a real fight. Hold on a minute here. I'm showing you how to do something safely, and you don't want me to do it because if it was a real fight. Well, I got news for you. If it was a real fight, I'd just punch the hell out of you, okay? I I didn't need Luna Vachon to prove to me that she could kick my butt. I knew it. if I wanted to do real fighting, I would have done real fighting.
3: Well, let, let let me just say, knowing you, if it was a real fight in most instances, I'd bet on you.
4: So I I might get my butt kicked, but I'm a scrapper. You're gonna know you got in a fight with me, and that's it. Like, but I've got no shame. Like, if you kick my ass, I've got no shame in that. I fought. I got my butt kicked. I'm still gonna say what I want to say. Like, I think I posted that a few weeks ago. So, I, yeah, I'm gonna run my mouth, say what I want to say. You want to fight me? Yeah, I'll say it tomorrow with two black eyes. Um. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> You're not, I stand behind what I say and that's and how I feel, and I'm I'm very strong in my convictions, and, and that's just the way it is. And if you want to fight me over that, that's fine. I'm probably going to make fun of you, but
3: it's okay. <laughs> you, you know, Malia, you, you alluded to something, and Bruce and I have talked about a little in past shows where so many of the, the talent today, they don't want to be the heel. They don't want to get booed. No. And you would be, I think, just great insight. And you mentioned it earlier, even back to the LPWA, you know, in the locker rooms, booking, putting the matches together. It was kind of like it was forefront on everyone's mind to do whatever they could to build the business, whereas you talked about, I mean, especially like Judy Martin, Leilani Kai, I, they went out of their way to, to help and teach and, and pace matches for the business, for the promotion. Do you think today w- with the money involved that, that that has kind of gone by the wayside in the locker rooms That it's more of, you know, f- more about me than the business?
4: I don't know that it's the money involved as much as it is the egos involved. I mean, I, I, would, I witnessed the egos when I was at WCW because, again, LPWA, it was a different – and I don't know how I, – I, I only worked for the four Championship and some of the other offices that were around at the time um, very briefly, and I wasn't privy to a lot of the goings-on. But, like, LPWA, from what I can remember, when it was time to discuss what you needed from our match – We went to you. We went to the office, and we sat down and we talked about it, and you told us what you wanted. Well, when I was with WCW, I watched Booker's and the Riders go to Hogan's dressing room, and then they would leave his dressing room, and then they would go to Sting's dressing room, and they would leave his dressing room, and then they'd have to go back to Hogan's dressing room. Because it's egos. Like at some point in time, somewhere along the line, wrestlers became this I'm the greatest thing, and, and you've got to bow to me. And I don't see that because I don't care who you are. You are replaceable. Like, there's none of us out there that are not expendable. I mean, it, Vince has proved time and time again that he can make a star out of somebody if he really chooses to do so. Um, but I just don't, I don't understand giving, especially not your top talent, because then they've got you over a barrel but giving your talent the power to hold you over that barrel, to give your talent the ability to say, I'm not going to do that. Because it, it makes no sense to me. I, because you're, you're here for me. I am paying you. So therefore, you need to do what I need you to do. Um, it's my understanding that uh, Impact just took their title back because the title holder didn't want to do what they needed them to do. They didn't want to drop the title. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it would certainly fit. But, you know, I just – I, at what point in time do, did wrestlers become the ones to dictate how the story goes? I mean, we're supposed to carry out the storyline. We're supposed to give the promoter what they want because if that story doesn't fly and we give them what they want, then it's not on us. It's on the promoter. Well, that was a crappy story. I did what sure. I could with it, you know. But now if you give me a storyline that you think is going to be amazing, and I go, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you've and turn turns around. Now all of a sudden it's, it's a piece of crap. Well, now I'm to blame, but I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you you're to blame because you gave me a piece of crap story, even though I changed it completely <laughs> from what you wanted. So – Yeah, yeah but-
2: you mentioned – uh, so just to follow up on on that so you mentioned you know the WCW locker room with the the big egos and and that's famously mm-hmm. the problems with WCW was creative control mm-hmm. and the inmates mm-hmm. running the asylum but and right. you were there during the peak of WCW but you were also right. in the WWE during the peak of their run in the Attitude era what was the difference like yep. in the locker room and uh, and talk to me about that or, that run that you had there, because so, I mean, it seems well, like it was cut short. Uh, well, right, well, you know, the
4: main difference was WWE paid me to sit home and do nothing. Um, but it was <laughs> WCW. I wasn't really viewed as talent, I don't think. I was viewed as the girl that would come in and do whatever they needed them to do. I didn't argue it. I didn't rock the boat. You want me to lose Medusa, I'll lose to Medusa. You want me to lose to Akira, I'll lose to Akira. I didn't it wasn't ever about winning or losing. And my career has never been about winning or losing. It's about going out there and doing the job that I'm being paid to do to the best of my ability. Um, The only time I ever spoke up at WCW was when they went out there and they had me wrestle Chigusa Nagaya as zero. And she actually wanted to take a couple bumps for me. And they said, no. And they literally, it was like, I literally think it was a three second match. And I told them after that, that I, I have no problem putting anybody over but there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And what they did to me was completely 100% wrong and that I have a career outside of their company and I cannot jeopardize that career if that's the type of matches that they want to put me in. Um, Because there's a hundred other girls out there that would be happy to go up there and do it, but I'm not, I'm not one of them. And, you know, I was Paul Longdorf I spoke to and he was very uh, understanding about it and stuff like that. But yeah, it just, Yeah, it was kind of the inmates running the asylum. I mean, I was just really surprised at the amount of power that everyone there seemed to have when they were in the upper echelon of the levels to control what they would and wouldn't do. And then going over to WWE, um, I really wasn't there. That I mean, I was under contract for a year, but I really wasn't in the locker room to to experience a lot of the politics that went on. because initially I was supposed to be Poppy Chula's manager um, they decided Lita better fit that um position and right. they put her into that position which it, it totally fine and and going with what they did absolutely um Lita absolutely fits that position a lot better than what I I, I if you tried to make me look like a, a ghetto hood girl it would just never happen I'd be like yeah that's just <laughs> That's that's is like a country Western Japanese chick. It just they don't don't it doesn't mesh well. Um <laughs> But
2: did didn't you have weren't weren't you didn't they have you in like a Rocky Balboa type, you know, from out of the crowd. Initially.
4: They did initially. Yeah. So that was kind of my debut thing was that they had me pose as a fan and come in and attack Ivory. or not really attack Ivory. She challenges everybody, I come in and then I try to back out of it and Ivory slaps me and then I attack her and then Nicole Bass beats me up. Um right. But their, their mindset was nobody's going to know who you are because you've never been on our TV. even though at that point, I think I'd been in the business about 13 or 14 years and okay. I'd already been on WCW TV, but
3: right.
4: okay, whatever. Um, again, I'm the type that if this is what you want, this is what I'm going to give you and I will do exactly what you want me to do. So because I didn't make any suggestions and because I didn't speak up, um, I did it. And five minutes after I did it, it was all over the internet who I really was. So now all of a sudden, I can't be this anonymous fan, turn wrestler, turn whatever. Um, so I just kind of got paid to sit home for a while. Um, they had given me my contract at that point, but I hadn't signed it yet. I didn't sign it until they contacted me and told me that they had another character for me, which was Aphrodisia managing Poppy Chulo, blah, blah, blah. I signed it, I flew in. Um, that week Poppy Tulo didn't make it in, and then the next week they decided that Lita better fit that bill, and that was the end of my extent of what I had for WWE. I pitched another idea, which they later gave to Molly Holly in a modified uh, storyline, but I wanted to be the Dudley sister. I thought, you know, um, Ivory had this idea, because the women's division had become such a joke, to bury the women's belt and make this god awful hideous belt that basically um the loser of the match had to be the women's champion, not the winner. And so you know, the game like where you look at each other and like you, you make your fingers in a hole and whoever does it you gets caught, you hit them or whatever, but something like that where whenever you do this game and you you get caught, you have to do that other person's specialty type of a match. So like if Stacy um oh what was her name? Lawler's girl. But anyways if she would have gotten it then you have to do a bra and panty match. But if Ivory would have gotten it then you had to do a wrestling match. That type of a situation. And I said, Well make me the Dudley sister and, and I'll be too dumb to know that I don't I shouldn't be proud of the belt. So when I get it, I'd be like, look, I'm a I'm a winner, I'm a champion and I can be all proud of it and then Ivory can go dig up the real belt and say, No, honey, if you want to be a champion, you've got to come after the gold. And here the women's division would have been reborn, and it could have gotten some, you know, notoriety as not being TNA, but actually having to have talent and come back around to women's wrestling. Um, but, like I said, that in, instead uh, they released me and then uh, brought in the Holly sister.
3: You know, M- Malia, b- before we r- run out of time, <laughs> we, we've talked about – you know, how the, the women's wrestling has really uh, taken center stage and is viewed kind of now almost on an mm-hmm. equal footing with the men. But in the same time, in the last few months, there's uh, kind of been a, a, a dark side of what <laughs> a lot of the women have had to go through to get there, uh, it Talk a a little bit about that. All
4: right. So as far as the dark side of what the women have had to go to get there, um, I am one of those weird females that I don't believe in the director's chair. I believe that you have a choice. It might not be a choice that you want to make, but you have a choice. If the choice that you made was to sleep with somebody or provide sexual favors to somebody in order to preserve your career, to further your career, to keep your career whatever it is that is a choice that you made um, and so no you were not abused you were not taken advantage of you were not it, it, no you were an adult and you made the choice to do those favors instead of making the choice that it, your career could suffer and saying no because there are plenty of girls out there that have said no and and whether they've made it or not is neither here nor there it's just the fact that i know that there are girls that have said no and there are girls that have said yes and you can't go back on that you can't you don't have a right to, in my mind to go back on that now that being said yes there are also there was a period especially in the wcw heightened era so i'm going to say late 90s um where for whatever reason, and it wasn't just in wrestling, but I think it was, like, society all around, it became cool to, like, drug a girl and date rape her. Like, drop a roofie in their drink and then just take advantage of her. And I really don't understand why that became so popular. Like, if you want that, there's a morgue, go to the corpses. But I just don't – yes, in those situations, when when you wake up and have no memory of the night before – or you were in a situation that you did not be in like that, then absolutely, that is a dark side. You have a right to speak out. You have a right to stand up and say, no, what you did to me is wrong. Um, if you were in a domestic violence type relationship, you absolutely have my, my backing and my support 100% to stand up and say, this is not acceptable, I need help, um, or, or to warn other girls, hey, this person is, is very um, controlling, they're very physical, they're very, you know, I don't want you to get caught in that same type of a situation. Um, But, uh, you know, there's a huge difference between an actual victim that has been raped or a a victim of domestic violence versus somebody saying that they're a victim because, oh, so-and-so said that if I did this, they would help me get that. Um, That's not a victim. That's somebody that took an advantage of an opportunity that was put before them because that's what they wanted to do. Um, But, and then that goes on to, to me, when you're in a relationship, whether it be heterosexual, homosexual, and both of you are wrestlers, it is more likely to become physical at home because your partner sees you in the ring Wrestling, I'm just going to say intergender because I'm still against intergender, but they see you out there doing intergender matches. You're in the ring training with the guys. You're taking forms. You're taking hits. You're even taking them from your, your spouse or your partner in the ring during training or in a match. And now at home, you expect that line to be drawn and it not to be crossed. Well, you've already blurred that line because you've been in the ring doing this. And I'm not by any means condoning domestic violence, but I'm saying – that by doing intergender matches and by putting girls in there and with guys, I don't care if they're the same size or bigger or smaller or whatever, by putting guys and girls in the ring, you are saying it's okay to hit a female. And I don't, there's no other message behind that. Yes, you can, the girls, the feminists can stand up and say, oh, but look, we're empowered, we're so strong, we're equal. But that's not what the guys are getting out of it. The boys are getting out of it that the girl's tough. I can hit her. It's okay if I knock her on her butt. It's okay if I do this because she took it. She took it last night. So there's no reason why she shouldn't take it from me at home. And genders just sends the wrong message to everyone, whether it's Joe Redneck in the hills or little Jimmy, who's the son of a doctor sitting home watching wrestling with his dad. It sends the wrong message because women should be treated as ladies. Don't strip down naked in front of me in the locker room. Don't strip down to your underwear in front of me in the locker room. I expect you to treat me like a professional and like a lady. When you need to change, say, excuse me, I need to change. I will give you your privacy because I respect you and I want you to respect me. I am not some piece of trash in the back that you get to look at because I strip down my bra and panties or I strip down naked and I don't want to be disrespected that same way. And I don't want to be in the ring and have a guy hitting hitting me so I show the kids it's okay because I can get up. It's not. I, I'm a very clear there's a line you don't cross. Sorry.
3: <laughs> no, I, I know Bruce and I talked about it. I, I never thought you know, WWE for a while. The two big storylines were infidelity and domestic violence. And yeah. I'm kind of like going, huh? But right. I know <laughs> Bruce were, were – up against it, let me ask one final thing, and then uh, you can close it out. M- Malia, nobody better with everything. We're wrestling, you know, entertainment, uh, what's going on in the country. Where do you see wrestling going, both uh, men's, women's, independent, in the next couple of years? What are you hoping for?
4: Well, um- I well I'm hoping that it's all gonna come back and, and keep surging forward because I was a part of WoW and WoW was just getting its foothold going and you know, I would really like to see that take off and, and really go somewhere. Um but unfortunately I think wrestling is going to suffer just like a lot of the entertainment and travel industries are suffering. Um, I think it's gonna take a nosedive because you can't have the crowds in there together. Um up against each other you can't have people the the large numbers that they've got out there because everybody wants to social distance well if everybody's sitting six feet apart yeah it's, it's great because we're social distancing boom but, but look at the cameras like when you when you pan to the crowd it doesn't look like you have anybody there why because they're all seated six feet apart um and then the whole mask situ- situation you know Facial expressions are a huge part of it, and that adrenaline that you get, and I think all professional sports are going to suffer from it, for the simple fact that you get energy from the fans that helps you go out there and perform and work through pains and cramps and, and, and things that happen while you're performing that you don't notice when you have that energy, whereas when you don't have that energy out there, And you tweak something, all of a sudden you realize it in the ring. You're like, oh, wow, and now you you pull back. Um, So I I really unfortunately think the industry is going to take a nosedive. I think it's going to go, the ratings are going to go down, the fans uh, attending events are going to go down. It's going to hurt the independents, and there are a lot of good independents out there. Um, Hopefully it puts the bad ones out of business, um, and hopefully the good ones can hold on enough with the fans that they do have. But, yeah, it's, until this COVID is under control and people are no longer panicked about it and thinking that if they get it, it's a death sentence, um, it's all of entertainment and professional sports is it's going to be devastating to them.
2: Yeah, I, I yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how how things come back if if they mm-hmm. do come back and. And I have a bad feeling we're going to go through. I mean, this was already kind of a down period in wrestling. Right. AEW had just started to, you know, mm-hmm. re reengage interest in, and everybody was excited for a, a Wednesday right. night war. But I mm-hmm. think uh, I think you're going to see a real tough time and maybe get back yeah. to the mid-90s in terms of popularity yep. before things get better.
4: Sadly, I think so too. And I think, you know, um, it's not even the mid nineties, maybe even the early nineties when there just really wasn't a lot out there to choose from. Um, right. but you know, I, I hope that it doesn't go that far back, but I do think it is going to take a downhill slide, but the plus side to it is maybe if it takes that downhill slide, it'll reset some stuff. It'll reset some mind frames. It'll reset so that when it starts to build again, um, it'll have a little bit more art and psychology and a little bit slower paced because you can't go out and do the things that these kids are doing every night for five people. You just yeah. you can't. You can't go out there and do it for 10 people, for 60 people. You know, Don't get me wrong. I will give you 110% no matter how many people are sitting out there. But I've managed my entire career not to go into a cage match. I'm not going to do a cage match for five people and no storyline. It's just not happening. Sure. You know, because there has to be, on my end, if God forbid something happens to me where it's my last time stepping in a ring, I want to know that it was worth it. Um, And that's not worth it. And
2: that's another
4: mindset that these kids need to get through.
2: Is this Malia Hosaka or is this Jim Cornette impersonating (laughs) Malia Hosaka? I'm not sure. (laughs) Malia.
4: we're, uh, we're well, over I think, time, so... uh, that might be one of the best compliments ever
2: jim <laughs> <laughs> is uh is is outspoken but but he's on yep. point in a lot of a yep. lot of things when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> Listen, we're out of time uh for Ooh. for the interview at the show, but this was uh, such a fantastic uh conversation with you and and you have so much to uh to say and and i think your mind is is uh, a lot to offer for the business i can't thank you enough for coming on with us no. i saw some of the comments during the show and i think the fans appreciated yep. it as well
4: yep. awesome well it was my pleasure and thank you for having me on i mean i'm really honored i'm glad ken reached out to me and it worked out and hopefully you'll have me back sometime
3: oh and, anytime that's that's a, a an understatement and uh Hopefully, uh, either the, there'll be a, a show in Minneapolis, or you'll get to town so so we can yeah. do lunch or dinner again.
4: Exactly. Hey, I look for those Minneapolis layovers. Don't think I don't. So as soon as I can get a long enough one, I will let you and, and everybody at SDW know because I miss all you guys.
3: Uh, well, we Friends miss you off. too, sweetie. <laughs> thank you again yeah. for for coming on. You were no. you were wonderful. Thank you both. I appreciate
2: your time.
1: Since 2012, HIAC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the Wrestling Historian with Craig Legans every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at vocnation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the maestro, What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOCNation.
2: Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. The morning after right here on the VOC Nation Radio Network, Brady Hicks, and... Homeboy Rap Boy here. I tell you what, we got a good show right here in the afternoon at 12 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time on the VOC Nation.
1: Talking wrestling, football, news, whatever's going on in the world today. VOCNation.com.
2: The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation
0: Radio Network. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week, Wrestling With History. We'll be back next week. The podcast will drop on Wednesday, and Ken and I will review the year 1983. That was the start of one of the greatest professional wrestling periods of all time. It was the beginning of the birth of Hulkamania. So we'll set the stage for the 80s the 80s wrestling boom next week right here on wrestling with history so for killer ken resnick i'm the voice of choice bruce wert we'll be back with wrestling with history right here worldwide in the voc nation radio network winning season returns at my bookie winning season means doubling your first deposit winning season means survivor super contest, and squares at my bookie Winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice! It's time to celebrate the NFL season. Invest in your institution. Use promo code VOCNATION and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at my bookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code VOCNATION, spell it out, V O C NATION, all one word, and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at my Booking.
4: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
4: Sorry.